early on in the uh, kitchen session days, I would be sitting in some chair just kind of observing, and I would throw out a line, and they'd Carter be like, like, what about av- avocado? Yeah. <laughs> that rhymes with rodeo? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, they, would say, they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, buddy, let's uh, let's, let's put a pin in that and save it. Let's put it over here, put a pin in that. Put it one. right here on the fridge. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Welcome to another Something in the Water podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Uncle Dave Griffin, along with Sean Clark. And look out. Something's wrong with this picture. (laughs) (laughs) Over here on the couch, we got our uh, guest, Mr. Alan Allnock, or as y'all remember him from an earlier episode, Alan Americana Allnock, and uh, Mr. Connor Griffin. Um. This is a special episode, and uh, since that uh, Alan is now the managing editor of the Okefenokee Living magazine. I had a copy when we were out in the kitchen, but uh, I failed to bring it in. We'll get that in after the break, but uh, how'd you get that job? Uh, well, you know, the last time I was on the show as y'all's guest, and kind of turned the tables here, as you'll see in a minute, because um, I'll be doing some interviewing uh mm-hmm. but uh last time i was on i was and still am a photographer here in town uh, i approached okie living back in january just looking for some more freelance work okay uh, photography so it's a local magazine it's local yeah it's uh the publisher is <laughs> called showcase publications they're based in jessup and they have several other titles they have valdosta magazine uh okay. wayne county magazine and Okefenokee, which is, they're all really well done, nice, glossy publications mm. um, covering the local community. Okefenokee comes out twice a year. and uh, just, just two uh, times a year? Yeah, just twice a year. The, they do yeah. Valdosta four times a year, um, and the other ones they do twice a year. Uh, okay. But, you know, a lot of really good local content. And I was impressed with the magazine and just uh, kind of emailed them out of the blue, right. asking if they had or needed any help on the editorial side, you know, photography or writing which you know i do both and uh my timing was good they were working on their spring issue at the time and um needed some help and so i contributed several uh pieces to that issue awesome and then it just kind of took off from there started helping out in the other magazines um so we've grown that into uh i'm still a contractor it's not a, a full-time job but um yeah. taking on a role more of an official role as managing editor so uh one of my this is the first full issue that i've worked on it'll be coming out later in the fall and one story idea i had right away was local music um just knowing uh really from knowing you guys um Mm -hmm. how much talent is around here and there's there's really a lot of moving parts i mean you've got two festivals that Mm -hmm. you host dave and uh, Mm -hmm. sean and and connor you have a band you're in dave you play live music Mm -hmm. Um, and have for a long time. And then, of course, there's this podcast. And uh, 
just kind of had this podcast is obviously called something in the water. There's a song called something in the water that I want to get into when we, um, you know, get a little a further shirt. into this, a shirt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that, that theme is kind of what I was thinking this article will be about. Um, so, uh, the idea here is to, to interview you guys as the basis for the article. And also I want to have you put me in touch with some other artists and, and personalities. We're talking about Billy Ray earlier mm-hmm. and uh, just get some suggestions for, for who else to talk to and get their perspective cool. uh, on this local music scene. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and this uh, article is going to be, so the, the, the okay, look, Okie Finoki Living Magazine comes out twice a year. What what are the two publication months? Or uh, it kind of varies, but um, generally spring, like March, April ish, and then fall. Um, okay. So this next one's going to be. I think we're looking at late October. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's it's <coughs> distributed around town. I think it might yeah. mail to some homes, but mainly you can just pick it up in businesses around town. And it covers. Is it free? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. it's free. I think you can buy a subscription, but most anywhere you can pick it up, it's free. Pretty nice looking. Uh, real it glossy, is. Like it is a really nice thick. magazine. Now, I've seen a lot of communities, small communities in this in in America. You know, doing this now, I don't, I don't know. I suppose that they're uh, they sell ads. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's, that's kind it's of supported by uh, ad revenue. Uh, supports the publication, right, of it and everything. But uh, it, it is it's a very good looking magazine. Everything now in the digital age is good looking. <clears throat> but uh, so this article that you're interviewing for tonight is is uh gonna come out in october right probably yeah, maybe early november october. or something like okay. that cool um and we'll, well be y'all sure definitely to... want to be looking out for that at uh your local uh, waycross uh what, businesses businesses That's right in in waycross and surrounding <clears throat> areas there and you can update your audience when it's mm-hmm. you know when it's out you know and, and speaking of um audiences the audience for the magazine is is they say Okefenokee Living, it's really they considered a regional magazine, whereas like uh, they have Wayne County Magazine or just called Wayne Magazine, but that's just Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Ware County and really the surrounding counties. So Pierce, Charlton, uh, Clinch, Bacon, Brown, Coffee. Regional. Yeah, kind of a regional. Um, the whole idea of, you know, the Okefenokee Swamp. I mean, it's south mm-hmm. of us, but it's really kind of a region. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that ties in, you know, especially well with with the song and the theme yeah. that's um kind of where i wanted to well we'll get into that a little more specifically but where i want to start um is just kind of a personal question for each okay. of you you um what i mentioned before just uh you guys are really immersed in music um mm-hmm. i mean I, I mentioned the groups you're involved in the festivals the podcast mm-hmm. um so just kind of wanted to hear you talk about and what it means to each of you you know to be such an integral part of the local music scene and the regional music scene. Uh, um, you want me to start? <clears throat> well, I know you will. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, I feel uh, honored <laughs> to be still alive. <laughs> I feel honored to be a part of anything at the age of, um, well, 
I'll be 60. Uh, at the, that uh, airing of this podcast, I will have been 69 for about a uh, month and a half. But uh, uh, it, uh, the uh, festival was uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a thing that kind of fell in my lap, you know. And, uh, but as you said, I have always. Uh, immersed myself in music i've grown up with music from the very beginning i'm talking about and everybody's heard me talk about that from three-year-old listening to hank williams records of my daddy's and then going on through uh growing up with uh popular music and then uh making that round connection in the early 70s with country rock when when grand parsons and all those, all that music started coming out, uh, <clears throat> but uh, music uh, as a musician and songwriter, uh, music's been my life. But the festival thing was more or less a uh, an idea that uh, came about in 1998, and then. Uh, blossomed into what it is now, you know, 25 years later, Grand Parsons Guitar Pool and Tribute Festival, which is this weekend. As a matter of fact, the date that y'all are watching this uh, for the first time, October 15th, we'll be winding it up out at the fairgrounds. <laughs> and uh, uh, <clears throat> I feel honored to be a part of it. Uh, I feel like it's uh music is is uh or the festival is less me and more about the uh, grand parsons and the musicians involved in it you know that's what i want to push out there and make sure that uh, all of that gets noticed as far as my personal music my my own songs and songwriting uh <clears throat> I love what I do, and I hope other people love it as well. Mm -hmm. We do. You even wrote uh, a jingle for Waycross, didn't you? I did. Back Really? That was year number, uh, I can't even remember, the 80s maybe? It was. 90s? No, it was the 80s. Was it part of an ad campaign? Yeah, uh, the Chamber of Commerce had put out this thing. They were going through this... uh, Thing that Waycross wants you, and uh, me and Billy Ray Heron uh, were. He had a studio at the time, Hickory Wind Studios, and uh, he and I were uh, were doing some work together, uh, songwriting, and uh, we decided we'd get into the jingle uh, manufacturing. And uh, we wrote a jingle for Waycross Wants You. And uh, I didn't know if we was going to get into that. I'd have had a copy over here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, we also sold one to American Travel Service. And uh, uh, I think that may have been our only two sales, but we had several uh, uh, pitches. Uh, uh, one was Flash Foods. Uh, we, we pitched several different uh, concepts to uh, Flash Foods and uh, uh, different local 
uh, businesses. But uh, yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> and you wrote a jingle too. Oh, yeah. Y'all did a jingle? I didn't write the jingle. I sang a jingle. Oh, okay. Sure. I, thought, I thought you wrote it. Uh, it was for Hog and Bones. Oh, really? There you go. Okay. But, uh, you know, what kind of they already connections? Had, uh, Jason, the son, Jason Weathersby, had okay. already had it written and everything, and he was actually singing on it. I was like, that sounds fine. He's like, I want you to sing it. So <laughs> I was talking about the uh, cat thing you showed me. I think that, that must have been something separate from Waycross. It was some kind of cat. animal. Oh, that was for uh, was for another podcast. Uh, okay. A friend mm-hmm. of mine, Gina King. That's what it was, yeah. That does an animal about cats and dogs and stuff pets podcast i can't mm-hmm. remember the name of it at the moment but cool sean what about you what's uh what's it mean to you to be able to call this your vocation really yeah it means a lot uh i mean at this point i'm in it to, <laughs> you know, like, for better or worse i've burned all the other bridges out of this <laughs> so but I've, I've just always enjoyed music and uh and I, I came along about the time videos and uh, starting with like uh, Night Flight, was it? Or yeah. oh, Night man. Tracks. Night Tracks. Yeah. And, uh, WTB, uh, there was something. The flight. USA? WTBS. Yeah. The TBS? And then we found, Waycross finally got MTV. <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, that seems like a cool way to get girls and not have to run laps of football practice. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> did you play football? I did. I broke, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. I mean, not in high school, but <laughs> okay. Rec center. I did play tackle in uh, elementary, I guess. Okay. Broke my arm twice, but I was like, heck with this. <laughs> I'm no good at this. But uh, I just always, enjoy, even like as a teenager, playing out, um, got to be a part of this. Uh, teen club we had which is where KD's is now that was upstairs there and the bottom where KD's is KD's cafe is uh was a cafe it was called cafe or something down there and then club or something was upstairs but we would book bands from Jacksonville and uh my band would play there and I I, I was the guy that got to book the bands and stuff and uh we got to practice up there it was pretty cool and just always just been in music and I've always wanted to uh make something happen with Waycross and, you know, get people to pay attention to music because there's so much of it and uh, still struggling with that. But that's the whole thing with this podcast. And hey, it's getting there. It's making mm-hmm. strides. Yeah. yeah. That's how we come so. up with uh, something in the water. You know, there is something in the water here. Well, let's, let's go there. Cause that's next on my list of questions. Um, Cause I want to <coughs> use that to kind of set up the bigger picture, bigger picture, question of you know what makes music around here special but tell us about that song how it came about was that a your did you write that solo or was it a co-writer i wrote it solo. how did it come about well uh a friend from nashville was down and he was just kept and it, i i've heard it you know several times people saying there's something in the water around here you know with the bands and the music and the especially when they come to town when we're having a festival. And that's like the best time to be in Waycross to me. <laughs> it's uh, either the Grand Parsons Festival in the fall or the Swamp Town get down in the spring. And uh, just that phrase got passed around a lot. And I was like, well, I'll write a song, you know, about it. It doesn't really like, 
the song doesn't really spell out what it's about, but it's kind of vaguely about, you know, how much talent there is around here. Well, it has some clever references too. Mm. I appreciate yeah, it. Cypress knees. Yeah, and the way cross reference. Yeah. Mm. Way cross veins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finds his way cross into your veins. Yeah. Uh, I've always just tried to, when songwriting, try to, you know, be vague and say what I mean without saying it and stuff like that. Obtuse. Yeah. Yeah. That what you trying to say, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I like them old mathematical terms. Well, question for any of you guys. What do you think makes music, what is it in the water? What makes music from here so special? I think that uh, it's just, especially when I was coming up, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't all these devices and phones and uh, computers, and it was just like, it was something to do and it uh it and to be in a small town to learn how to play guitar it seemed like a way of tapping into what was going on elsewhere and uh to for me anyway it felt like an escape of being in the small town because that's all i wanted to do was leave now all i want to do is stay here but you know i had you have to leave to see what you got you know but uh that's what it was for me what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what, makes what makes it special? So and, special. you know, as I'm listening to, to you guys and just thinking about, you know, some of your influences, like like Dave, when y'all first um, convened the Waycross Stagecoach, I think it was your first time together is, is that sort of... Um, yeah, I remember that night. Bands. I don't remember <laughs> that night. <laughs> Tom, so y'all yeah. did Tom Petty songs. I mean, very much a, a Southern, you know, a Southern... Flavored right. act. Yeah. Um, how much do you mm -hmm. think the geography and the the region plays into your sound, your songwriting, um, other you know other acts? Mm. I lot. definitely think there's a spiritual aspect to it. I mm. mean, because if you think about it, Graham Parsons, Tom Petty, all of these people we idolize came from in or around this area. Mm. Um, Elvis passed through here. Um, uh, can't even think of the guy's name. Um, Dale Shannon. There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Charlie Parker. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, all these different. James Brown, Ray Charles. Yeah, I mean, all these all different Southern, elements coming together. Um, all my brothers. Mm -hmm. Well, back in the day, you know, Waycross was a was on the main line. US one yeah. uh, goes right through Waycross, and Pre before the before the interstates were built in the late fifties. That was the artery that went yeah. from. Uh, if you wanted to get down east Florida, Maine you had to, to come through Key here. West. Yeah, and it, it came right through Waycross, and I had the wonderful pleasure of growing up in this town in the fifties and sixties when that was still very vital, and uh, a lot of my travels on the uh, U.S. one back in in my childhood was. Uh, you're reflective of that with the motels and the gas stations and the billboards and the uh, 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 spectacular uh, side shows, the alligator farms or whatever, yeah. you know. It was so kick-ass. I mean, yeah. it was great for a kid, you know, to be four years old, you know, and seeing these big billboards. Next stop, I can get some sunglasses 
with stripe, red and white stripes with pigs on the corners, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> you know, it was great. But uh, like Connor was saying, the spirituality of it, you know, and uh, there's something that goes uh, deeper into that, maybe even a little more native and stuff. But uh, you've seen documentaries and heard a lot of tales written about uh music towns like uh, Memphis and, mm -hmm. uh, well, Winter Haven, you know, down around uh, Graham Parsons' stomping grounds in Florida. Um, usually in, 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 uh, when, when music comes from a place, there's generally a river or a body of water close by uh i don't know uh i feel like that's a part of it mm -hmm. i mean we're sitting right here on the edge of the okie swamp <laughs> if yeah. that ain't a body of water <laughs> yeah Whew. very much so i'm telling you and i think there's something primitive that comes out of all of that 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 just uh you 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 don't even know you have it but it's it's warming around inside you, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, somehow it comes out. Well, that makes me think of another, you know, regional artist. I mean, he's got a national following, but uh, from North Florida, J.J. Gray, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. and he, I think he calls his music like swamp music or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very, just that vibe has got mm -hmm. that swampy feeling to mm -hmm. it, you know, real yeah. bluesy, rock and roll. Um, and it so, is reflective of other music that we've all grown up listening to, of course, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it kind of builds on itself, doesn't it? You can't uh, help but have, have the influences of Hank Sr. And, uh, and James Brown and Otis Redding and everybody that came before you, you know. But uh, Yeah, I think like coming out of being a teenager, I was just trying to write. I've always tried to write um, when I play guitar or whatever, but... I was trying to write stuff that I was listening to on MTV or on the radio or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the older I got and figuring out, okay, these guys got it from, you know, and just backtracking everything to classic rock and to classic country. And then, uh, then figuring out the way cross connection to all this. And I just feel like I kept diving back until that's all I want. I want to be, I want to make music this native of here, mm -hmm. this, um, mm -hmm based off of everything else that was out of here, you know? Well, and I think y'all very much capture that spirit um, with the Pine Box Dwellers. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, tell us how that came about. How long have y'all been together? In, uh, about 10 years, I guess. Yeah, and yeah we're about on there. I think uh, next year, nine or 10, 10 years, yeah. yeah. You've been through a few different iterations of that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, four-piece, two-piece. Just kind of walk us through the... Uh, a brief history of the Pine Box Dwellers. And okay, so I uh, was solo for a, a while. I was in a band called Jack Cadillac for about 10 years. And then, you know, people moved on, and um, I was just like, well, I'm playing solo now. So I played solo for years and steady writing songs. And that's when it, Jack Cadillac was more of an electric kind of vibe. And then I started playing these same songs acoustic by myself 
and then writing more to go with that and then recorded an album that never did get released released but i just kind of burnt cds and passed it around uh that i recorded over at jesse heron's house and got friends to play on it and then i was like well i got this album i need to put a band together and i got jesse to play bass and uh his his nephew ashton to play guitar and then i we were all playing already and then we got connor to come over and play some drums or did you come over immediately with the cajon no, uh, the first, the, I think there's two sides to that. Because one time, me, you, and my dad played at Locos. And it was just kind of on a whim. I brought the cajon because it was small venue. I think it was our gig, and then you just you brought your cajon along. Yeah. And then one day, me and Ashton were jamming together, <coughs> him on guitar, me on drums. And Jesse, I think, overheard it and was yeah. like, how about... Let's give this guy a shot, you know. So this guy we watched grow up since he was this big. <laughs> Who's your dad? <laughs> I don't know. Your uncle Dave. So at this point, I'm having an identity crisis. <laughs> uncle Daddy. That's baby Uncle Junior. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> we came up with that one weekend. And, That's uh, baby Uncle Junior. Baby Uncle Junior. Yeah. <laughs> Confused uh, like Larry King here. Yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. the guy's son? <laughs> <laughs> so we started playing, and uh, you know, over time, over time, people left, and we got other lead players, and it seemed like we went through four or five lead players there, and eventually got um, Jody Parrott, who played lap steel and harmonica, and he was with us for a while, and then and COVID. COVID hit and Jesse didn't want to go out and test the waters and Jody's job because of COVID got more intense because they let other people go and he took on their job and he was like all of a sudden he was over a lot more than he was and so he kind of laid out and me and Connor kind of carried on dog paddled and you know here we are we yeah uh still going on show must go on i've always been about the show must go on i don't care you lost a leg get up on the stage yeah and and i've said this and i've heard other people say it y'all sound like as a twosome a lot more than two guys yeah sound like you could be four or five guys you know when the mamas and the papas sang together there was four of them when the mamas and papas sang together there was a fifth harmony that nobody could explain that would show itself overtone yeah an, an audible mm-hmm. uh and that's the same thing with pine march 12 <laughs> y'all might be a duo but it sounds like a, a crowd up there on stage y'all are doing it <laughs> try yeah mm-hmm. and we still bring in those other guys and uh and some other friends too yeah you play you were four or five of you at the uh swamp town get down right yeah, yeah. it was uh us and jody and jesse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so here, uh, maybe a tough question, maybe not. Um, I know you can't pigeonhole, you know, a music or a band, you know, uh, into one or one style of music, you know, one band and one style of music. But if you had to describe the Pine Box Dwellers, like. That's the thing we've been trying to do for 10 years. <laughs> Rick um, Astley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, redhead stepchild. The first thing we come up with was Swampadelic. All right. I don't think 
that necessarily applies to us all the time, but we can definitely get swampadelic. <laughs> Uh, as long as you put swamp in there, it'll work. Like, That's yeah. right. Uh, swamp stomp, swamp, swamp grass, swamp <laughs> rock, <laughs> swamp whatever. And uh, it's, I don't know. Swamp mouth. It's real uh, earthy, I think, because of the acoustic and the him being on the cajon and just real sim- simplistic and uh, minimalist approach to what can we do with the least possible Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just always that that hadn't always been our thing, but that or my it thing. Kind of, it, it's become that with the band. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, Connor was playing drums at the bigger gigs and Cajon at the smaller gigs. But every time he brought that Cajon out, everybody was like, "What is that? Yeah, and if how could, are you doing that, man? If I could get paid as many times as I get yeah. that question, like, what the <laughs> heck are you beating on right there?" It's novel. And they're more it's popular novel. these days, but the way you play it is nobody's ever seen it. It's like Jimmy Hendrix on the guitar. Like Nobody's ever seen it like, played like style. that. I didn't have any kind yeah. of formal training on it. I, yeah. I saw my uh, percussion director in high school pull it out, and he started drumming on it. I was like, dude, I need that. You know, and we well, see a lot of people playing it like that. That's the traditional hands, way, yeah. With their hands and everything, but you broke them uh yeah, it, uh, brushes, brushes, brushes. home brushes. It uh, gave me so many back aches and sore palms. I'd have to like, lean down and. Hey, you got all that you know. worked out now. Yeah, but even with the brushes, like you, I think you're the only one that holds them the way you hold them. Like nobody else, like you hold them the traditional way. Everybody else way, holds, don't you? holds them like drumsticks where they're coming don't you out hold here. Them in between these, uh, you hold on on the, the left, uh, oh, middle, and, and he's got them coming down. Like, ring fingers. Oh, okay. And, and and nobody can play as fast as you, so I think you're on to something with that. What did you so. come up, did you learn a traditional on a traditional drum set? Uh, were um, you in high school band? Well, yeah, yeah, I was in high school band, and uh, you know, ever since middle school, I played percussion, mm-hmm. and then high school, I went into the drum line. So I think largely my approach to drum set once I started playing that was uh, rudimentary. Like I don't even know if I'm using that right, but you know, as far as uh, drumline playing goes you're doing a lot of paradiddles and flams and all that stuff so i just kind of took that that single style playing and took it all over the drum set and uh i guess that's what i did with the cajon too on a, when you were taught in uh from middle school on uh the grip uh that you used was it uh was it like that or yeah. like it, like it, it wasn't it wasn't the traditional grip that most people are familiar with. The left with, hand right? being uh straddle mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. That's the way I learned in, it was, back in high school. It was uh the fulcrum. You have so, like, your index finger and your thumb and you wrap your uh the rest of your hand around it and then you just hold both drumsticks like this. Uh. But with the cajon, the way I'm playing it, uh instead of striking a surface that's uh Horizontal. horizontal, yeah, horizontal. You're vertical. I'm having to, yeah, I'm having to go vertically. So I had to kind of adapt to it. Mm-hmm. And, no and wonder. You, and you do all that while you're singing too. Yeah, which I think it's super impressive. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Singing harmonies. He's yeah. so much more of a drummer than I ever was. <laughs> hey, but you were section leader. I was section leader. I was you, first you chair snare for three years, and I was governor's honors program one year. But. <clears throat> 
I could play the hell out of one drum. <laughs> you could put me on a set of drums. And gonna, I could do boom, 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 over and over, you know, like a polka. Yeah. But give it some soul and to sing on top of it, give me a break. <laughs> you just got it. I'm when, so happy. How long ago was it when you all, in, when you introduced the Cajon into the band? It was pretty right away. Was Way early, early. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was okay. in the beginning. We did because, a lot of uh, just practicing with that because uh, right. it was easier to practice on that than set up the drums. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and plus the name came from. Well, yeah. Well, I guess so, yeah. It, it, it immediately started, like I said, people were more drawn to the cajon, and that was like making us stand out amongst everybody else. And I was like, we really need to lean in, into this. And I think like people like Jesse, or, and uh, they were like, no, we need the drums. Yeah, you know, and like well, he's a bass player. Yeah, people didn't want to let go of the uh, the full drums. So I was like, I'm telling you guys, this is this is what's going to make us different. Yep. And then come up with I, w I wanted something with box in the name, and uh, then I thought pine box. I was like, well, that's you know, a coffin, morbid. You know, and <laughs> yeah. we're in the swamp, and it's just like, oh, I hear banjos. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be, that that started this whole creepy vibe of like oh, and I, I was coming up with stuff like pine box rockers and whatever, and uh, <laughs> it was my wife that was like that's cheesy, that's cheesy, and then one day she yelled at me pine box dwellers, and I was like that's it, that's it, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Thank you, Bess. That's where you live. <laughs> yeah. you, you yeah. live in that. Yeah. Who's your wife? Uh, Bess. <laughs> <laughs> Best of you're watching. <laughs> Little Bessie girl, I once Little knew. Little Bessie girl, I once knew. And you guys, like Sean, you play some solo gigs, right? Yeah. And and Dave, you do. I know you still do some of that. Mm -hmm. um But let's talk about your super group you formed. <laughs> Your occasional supergroup, the Waycross Stagecoach. It's uh, like a traveling, yeah, road a show. traveling show. Yeah, boy, variety show, a, a medicine show. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, a throwback to the uh, ancient age of vaudeville forward. You know, to even early television when they had, used to have variety shows on there, and. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. It's it's everything. It's circuses. It's revivals. And uh, and you can hear our uh, intro to that when we go play out live. If you ever get the opportunity to hear that online or, or live, you'll see that's kind of what it's all about. You know, it's minstrel shows. It's, it's snake oil medicine men. It's uh, revivals. It's circus. It's music you know all wound into one little thing you know and uh um and the idea is to get several artists right several different acts mm -hmm. together on one stage right and then y'all have picked a theme yeah like da time. dave's like the ring leader host and i'll he, come out and play a set of my songs and then the next act will come out and play theirs sets and so forth and so on for so three or four artists will play and then at the end of the night, we come back and it's a, a blowout. It's a finale tribute to Whatever. Tom Petty, the mm -hmm. Beatles, country music. We're all on stage Water. together. Mm -hmm. We're all on stage yeah, together. We'll, we'll pick sharing. a theme to yeah. like, let's, 
the original idea was let's just all come together at the end and we'll play. And I was like, well, that can be a theme of, mm-hmm. you know, let's do this artist or that artist or this genre. And that'll be something else to drag people out. How do you decide on the theme? We just kind of throw out our influences, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we'll get we get a, a Facebook thread messenger going and, um, well, what about this? What about that? Well, then we'll mm-hmm. narrow it down to something. Yeah. And start picking who's going to sing what. How many of these have y'all done to date? I don't February, <laughs> Mars. Did we do one I in can, April? I can't remember months like that. I, I'm just, I we, we did uh, Tom Petty, uh, William Whalen, The Beatles. Georgia Music. Georgia Music, right. We did that twice. Uh, we did it uh-huh. at the... So we're probably Swamp on our town. seventh. Yeah. One. Who, you've got one coming one. up. Well, this by the time this yeah, record, it'll yeah. be already be yeah. Oh, we yeah. got one yeah. coming yeah. up. Yeah. As of this broadcast in right. about two weeks in Athens, it's going to be a scorcher. It's, have mercy. Happy Halloween. Yeah. It's going to be uh, <laughs> at the Nowhere Bar. It's going to be costumes uh, only. No, it's probably going to be costumes welcome, but it's going to be the uh, it's going to be Pine Box Dwellers, Ty Manning, Fester Haygood, myself, and we're going to be doing a uh, tribute to uh, dead <laughs> rock stars or dead artists or something. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't know we decided. <laughs> I think that's what we decided okay. already. Yeah. So like that. that covers a lot of ground, uh, dead artists. <laughs> That's all the good ones. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to be doing. Uh, What's that dead guy's name? Buddy Holly. Yeah. No. <laughs> you going to do your Tom Petty thing? <laughs> Is he dead? <laughs> yeah. You going to dress up like Tom Petty again? <laughs> I never did it the first time, but I was I was too far gone. And uh, I think this might be a way to salvage that. <laughs> you redeem yeah. yourself? I'll dress up like Tom Petty in Athens, Georgia. By God, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's coming up, folks. Uh, you can uh, check it out online at uh, Facebook. We've got a uh, Uncle Dave's Waycross Stagecoach page on Facebook. And on you can Instagram. go there and see all of the carrying ons. And uh, you can uh, find our ticket link to the uh, Nowhere Bar. Go ahead and get your uh, your spot lined up because it's going to be packed out. <laughs> and I know on a recent podcast, y'all talked some about the CD. Um, you guys, the Pine Box Dwellers, have in the works. Um, just kind of run through mm-hmm. what recorded works y'all have out there. Um, and also you, Dave, you've got some mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. you've uh, put to CD or vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Pine Box Dwellers, the first time we had an album, we, we, uh, we, we'd recorded some stuff with Jesse's like demo stuff, but, uh, we went to Nashville and to the house of David studios and recorded our first album. And after that, we recorded here at Caution Light Media, but actually at the old location and, uh, that was our second album. That was the first album was Pine Box Dweller, self-titled, and then the one we did with Justin was uh, Desperate Days and Longing Nights. 
And those are both up on streaming services everywhere. And or you can get a CD. Can you order through we're your website eight, also? You can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all out of eight tracks, but we still got some CDs. <laughs> and uh, with this new album, we've recorded up at, in Athens at Tweed Recording. And we're this everything's done with it. It's sounding really good. And uh, we're just kind of in negotiations to see if we can get somebody to put this thing out for us instead of us doing it by ourselves and try to make some more ripples with it. But um, hopefully it'll be soon. Does it have a name yet? Yes. Drifter's Blues. Drifter's Blues. Unless we decide to change it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've gone through all kinds of name changes since the beginning. And on each of them, we're like, yeah, that's it. And then next week we're like, how about, Maybe this, you know. Well, something will come out like somebody else's album. I'm like, that's too close to yeah. this. Or and Dave, what music do you have out there? Well, I recorded uh, uh, my uh, first and only CD, original music, back in uh, released in 2010. It was called American Spirit. It's an eight song CD, and because of that, I. I wanted to put out my next CD. I wanted to put out with uh, more songs on it. And I got a a call from uh, the great North Georgia uh, fiddle player, Levi Lowry, out of Decula, Georgia. Uh, Levi co-wrote Colder Weather with Zach Brown Band and uh, just a great songwriter. And uh, he was interested in... uh, uh, recording my my second <laughs> CD uh, way back in 2017 and I'm the I'm the world's uh, most famous what is that called when you put things off procrastinator, procrastinator I'm the yeah. world's most famous procrastinator cuz that album still ain't out and uh, it's got like 15 songs on it well, it's potentially and uh <laughs> and already since 2017, I've wrote a hell of a lot more songs. Yeah, you just know? put it out, man. It's so ready. just got to get on the ball and, and just yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, just do it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna have my second album out in <laughs> 12 years later. Here sooner or later, uh, I plan to have it out before I pass. Now that uh, <laughs> first album. It's on all the streaming services, but it's not Dave Griffin. It's, it's Uncle, Uncle Dave, Dave and the Young'uns. Yeah, okay, yeah. American that's how you Spirit. Find that's it. right. Yeah. It's on Spotify yeah. and CD Baby, and uh, several of the others. But uh, it's good. It'll it'll share, uh, shave your legs, and uh, it'll uh, change your life. And then even before that, back in '07, was it the Newfanglers? Yes. Ah, yeah. the Newfanglers. Yeah, I thought that there was, was another a, CD. That was another co. It was a symbiotic uh, <laughs> thing. And, you know, me and this guy. I'll say. I'll say. Uh, oh, excuse me. I thought. <laughs> I thought we was in the van for a minute. <laughs> Stand by your van. Uh, me and this guy have been uh, hell. We've been to hell. I've met you. <laughs> I have met you way back. My nephew Graham introduced us. To, I was I was twenty two. Uh, the late nineties. 
And uh, from the first Grand Parsons guitar pool in the backyard in 1998, the first one, he was there with his band. And uh, we've been thick as thieves ever since. And uh, we just, uh, he saved my life many times. And uh, we've written a lot of songs (laughs) together. And we uh, just share a a lot of closeness and... uh, uh, <laughs> you want me to take the story over? You in a ditch? No, no, I'm not. I'm just being. I'm just being honest. I'm sure. I'm sure. I love this guy right here. We share a lot of things. Close, close things, and we've been. We've been That's writing. My shirt. We've been writing songs together, and uh, he's given my boy a job. <laughs> and uh, no, and we do this podcast together. We just. Uh, we're just old pals now. Uh, God knows how when did we meet? Nineteen ninety-seven. I was twenty-two. Seven, whatever year it was. Seven, Seventy-four, <laughs> twenty-two would have been nineteen ninety-six. Mm. So from ninety-six to twenty twenty-two, that's a long time, mm-hmm. boys and girls. And we've been right there, hanging out, playing gigs, writing songs, and doing it all. When you spend that much time together, that infuses some songwriting, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Oh yeah, I can't write with everybody. Yeah, no, no, I can't. I can't. Co-writing is 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 uh, it's an art. It's a it. tricky yeah, slope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to. You uh, get. you you don't just sit down with somebody and and write something that you can be proud of. Right. It's hard to get on the same page page with somebody. Being this guy, we we can do it. You know. And uh, it makes me happy. There's an interesting story. I forget which CD. I'm sure he recorded more than one live CD, but there's a John Prine live CD. And he talks about um, he's introducing a song, and he said he co-wrote it. I forget who the co-writer was, but he said, I I usually don't like to co-write because of that very reason. He said Mm -hmm. it's hard to get on the same page. But he said Mm -hmm. we would sit across from the table one another and said we had a theme, and he's – He's writing and I'm writing, and you just gotta kind of gotta hope you're writing about something that that will come mm-hmm. together. And he mm. said, "Well, this one worked out." And he said, he, here it is. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of different ways of doing it, you know. But we we just like to we're just kind of bounce off, boom, boom. Okay, line. I got a line. You got a line. I got a line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of thing. And then sometimes it's. Uh, and you're One in there has, on some of them. Yeah, 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 some of them. Part yeah. of that process. Yeah, uh, more so lately than than any time. Used to be, I, I wish I were a part of the process. I he's, be, he's earning his wings here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early on in the uh, kitchen session days, I would be sitting in some chair, just kind of observing, and I would throw out a line and. They'd be, be like, like, what about av- avocado? Yeah. <laughs> that rhymes with rodeo? Like, no. <laughs> yeah, they would say, they would say, oh yeah, yeah, buddy, let's uh, let's let's put a pin in that. Uh, save it. Let's put it over here. Put a pin in that. Put it right here on the fridge. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, l- lately, uh, me and Sean will be writing songs together, and then yeah. we'll get my dad in on it. And- Connor's been writing some real, real good ones here lately. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one uh, (laughs) that gets requested. I think that's the one that gets mostly, most requested here lately. 
I'm like, well, I got songs. What is yeah. <laughs> Already gone. Already gone. Already gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. People are loving that one. Eagles made a big hit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They stole my song. I, I call it amongst the years, and that's not even anything to yeah. do with it. It's just like I can't. Ever remember already gone, even though it's already a song. Well, this is the this is the gist of it. I think uh, it kind of ties it all back to something in the water. Everything we just said, you know, is, is the fact that he's the youngest of the group, and he came up in it and mm-hmm. observed it all, and it filtered into him from the environmental, <laughs> from the outdoors to the indoors. <laughs> You know, and it all, yeah, that's what he grew up with. And uh, it just keeps on keeping on. You know, that's the that's the something in the water right there. You, you were kind of my teacher. Uh, I mean, I'd been writing songs, but not, I wouldn't say good songs until I met you. And I was like, oh, I got to step it up and uh, started. You know, I, I never had anybody to talk to about it because I was like the only person. I but the funny thing is, I felt like I started writing seriously writing songs uh, after I met y'all. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing where it just kind of like it's just, it's just two waves crashed together. You know, it's like and a, uh, it was almost a fr- like, friendly competition. Kind of. Well, yeah, I wouldn't even call it that. I would just say. I would say we we uh, we both uh, uh, influenced each other. We influenced mm-hmm. from from what I grew up doing and knowing as uh, my personal songwriting experience. You know, when it collided with y'all's, it became real. <laughs> you know, more real for me because uh, y'all were coming from a whole nother thing. You know. I grew up listening to uh, uh, pop music, you know. Yeah. Uh, the 60s, Four Seasons, Into the Beatles, Beyond the Beatles, the, you know, and uh, uh, we all went. Yeah, but my, my roots was Hank Senior, my daddy's <coughs> albums. Y'all went and dug further back. Than that and y'all were coming up with these blues influences mm-hmm. that I had the same opportunity to uh, draw from, but I didn't until y'all. Hmm. So that's the the differing that that's my take on it. Y'all just came came at me with y'all were coming at me with some realism, and I was still writing uh, fantasies and stuff, you know. I think it was a lot for us. It was uh, early 90s and the, you know, grunge or alternative Mm -hmm. rock was it was a it was something that was changing. And what to me, what changed about the from the 80s rock to to that was they started going back to sounding or trying to imitate the 60s and mm-hmm. the 70s and uh we could hear that in the and then we're like well and then we were doing the research of oh this is a this is like a Beatles song or this is mm-hmm. like a neil young song this is like and then we started listening to that stuff and those albums and then and you were schooling us on that too and mm-hmm. it was just like yeah, it's weird it's like together. a songwriting takes on a whole new shape or form when it's introduced to those other worlds 
you know, you could be writing, like you said, uh, mostly early 60s pop music, mm-hmm. Beatles, Beyond Beatles, and then here y'all come. And for me personally, y'all showed me all kinds of different uh, great country music. And even uh, the more modern artists like Daniel Romano. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never even listened to much country at all to him at your dad. Yeah. So it's like him introduced me to the genre of this is what you like. This is what is not good. This is the good stuff and whatever. And then I would find new artists that sounded like that and what have you. Yeah. But ain't that what it is all about? All yeah. about. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like. You got old, and old, and old influence and young, young influence and old, and uh, the changing of the times. And and I, I miss like uh, you know pre-internet where on a weekend I would drive to Jacksonville and go to the CD stores and just flip, 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 flip. This looks cool. I'll buy yeah. this, and then. Not be able to listen to it till you get all the way back to Waycross. Yeah, I was doing the exact no same thing like, with album. This is horrible. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it was always uh, a badge of honor to be like, I found this, and now <laughs> and, everybody's listening. To and it. the streaming services don't really do it right. They'll try to match your taste. Oh yeah, and then they'll be like, recommended for you. But what? Yeah, just <laughs> you because know? I like that doesn't mean you know. It, it seems weird. To, uh, like before you had like it just you can listen to anything at the touch of a button now mm-hmm. and I can't think of what I want to listen to exactly but back then it's like I know exactly what I want to hear right now mm-hmm. I'd get that album out and listen to it yeah and, and you had and, to work for it a little bit yeah. you yeah. had to flip it over you had to <laughs> yeah. place the like, needle I, and I could listen to it over and over but like I had to used to get get up and change my TV channel <laughs> right yeah <laughs> We did too. <laughs> These days, it's it's too easy, and and it you know becomes what? the paradox of choice. It's like it's so easy that you're sitting there racking your brain, like, "Well, I listened to this yesterday." That's what I, it is. That's what? what it is. Used to be, you could say, "I want to hear this album right now." Yeah. Nowadays, you've got the paradox of choice. choice. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like you sit there and you argue with your brain yeah. Yeah. for about 10 minutes and then you decide I'm not listening to any damn thing. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes I get that way. I'm I'm <laughs> trying to pick some music to listen to while I'm driving home or something and then I'll be like whatever I'll just listen to a podcast. <laughs> Too much you know? work. Yeah. I'm the same way with movies. It's like yeah. I'm like well I hadn't seen that yet. Same I thing. haven't seen that yet. Yeah. It was, it's like there's too many options. Too much. Like we need to, too much. Yeah. Less you know, more. I like uh, rhythm. I love rhythm. I don't like algorithm. <laughs> 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 Folks, we're going to take a short break right now. We'll be right back. <laughs> Something in my brain won't let me stray. Something in my veins going to find its way. Something in the water taught me how to pray. Well, we're back, folks, and our guest is Alan Allnock. We're having a good time here. 
Yes, thank we you are. for being our guest tonight, and uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, doing the article for. Mm. Well, I went and found the Okie Living Magazine, folks. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that's there the spring 2022 issue. And um, fall 2022 is when the article on the local music scene will be out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can't wait. It's a quality magazine. Well put together. Beautiful pictures of uh, folks in and around this area, right? That's right. There's brides and grooms and houses and houses and local personalities. You can get some X-ray glasses in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of folks that I know in this uh, issue right here already. So cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, so we got an article that. our managing editor, Alan Allnock, is going to be putting together for the uh, October magazine, which should be out about the time of this podcast or shortly thereafter. Yeah, maybe late October, yeah. early November. So I and will then, say, uh, carry on. Yeah, well, um, I think it's been an interesting conversation so far. And, you know, early on, we touched a little bit on the music festivals, but I want to hear a little more about that. Um, talking about the the Graham Parsons guitar pull in the fall and then the Swamp Town get down in the spring. Um, and Dave, I know you've, you've kind of told the story, especially of the, the Graham Parsons Festival on this show. Mm. But um, if you want to give just kind of a, a quick overview of how that came about and also how the Swamp Town get down came about. And then um, we'll okay. follow up with a little more. Yeah, from well, there. Uh, 1998, my wife and I went downtown and we ran into an old music buddy of mine at a local nightclub, and uh, he said the same old thing that I've heard many a time is uh, we need to get together and pick sometime. And as we were riding home, I told Lynn, my wife, I said, uh, you know, that is such a hollow exclamation, you know. It's like uh, most people say, how you doing? And they don't mean it, you know. It's like, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Fine. You know, it's just like a way to pass somebody on the street. This was the same old thing between musicians. We need to get together and pick sometime. Yeah, we do. And nobody did that. Nobody ever took advantage of it. Followed through with it. Yeah, followed Mm -hmm. through with it. So I told Lynn, I said, we're going to do something about that. And that's where the first annual uh, guitar pool came into play in 98. In your backyard. In your backyard. In the backyard. Right? We've had it in the backyard for four years, and then uh, so many people on that fourth year in 2001 that we pushed it into the public domain in 2002, and it's been there ever since. And it's grown into a three-day outdoor music festival held at the Okefenokee Fairgrounds. And uh, we've had some stellar headliners over the years. It's just been wonderful. Uh, Leon Russell, um, mm-hmm. Kentucky Headhunters, Marty Stewart and the Fabulous Superlatives, Firefall. I mean, one after the other, I could name them all. And there's been special memories. Each one of them, I can't call one year the best. I cannot do it <laughs> because every year there's been just a standout memory. Uh, it's so much fun, folks. So I love what our... Uh, Paul Campbell and Laureen Flanders from Mobile, Alabama, who have been coming for about 10 years now, uh, 
said about it. They said it's the least pretentious music festival that you've ever been to. He said, uh, he said, it's the uh, uh, best little music festival you've never been to. <laughs> so uh, uh, if that's the case with y'all, I urge you to come out. Now, the, the other one that spun out of the Grand Parsons Guitar Pool was in 2010 after the Guitar Pool. We had Jody Parrott and, and, and probably you and uh, several others were backstage after we were licking our wounds and, <laughs> and enjoying the harmony of, uh, of another year. And y'all all came to me and said, Uncle Dave, this is too much fun. We got to do it twice a year. Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> I was thinking, this is a lot of work, y'all. Yeah. And they said, we'll help you. And so then became a whole nother thing. Then there was a uh, cast and a crew and a staff and a stew and a uh, uh, a bunch of people starting to lend their hand. And uh, in 2011, in, in mid-March, we had the first annual uh, Swamp Town Get Down Music and Arts Festival, which is different, totally different from Grand Parsons. Grand Parsons, of course, everybody knows, was uh, country rock and uh, uh, and kind of centering on that. Primarily, but with Swamp Town Get Down, it's very eclectic. It's everything from reggae. Uh, well, we haven't got totally into rap yet, but we've got reggae uh, to uh, rock, country, rock, country, uh, indie, yeah. uh, uh, electronica. Mm -hmm. uh, one man band like Zach Deputy, you know, who layers his stuff out there on uh, on loop, loop machines mm -hmm. and stuff. Some little bit of jazz. Just mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's we've got of... it all at that, and and we've tried to center on the uh, the uh, <clears throat> original music in the southeast, you know, in North Florida, Alabama, uh, Georgia, and uh, Carolinas. We try to get as many uh, original artists as, as we can in there. Jam band. Jam mm -hmm. band and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, yeah, we're uh, approaching our 13th year on that one next year. So it's been a good ride, <laughs> I'll tell you. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, the Grand Parsons Festival uh, Guitar Pool plans are, are back on for another one this year, right, post-COVID. It is, and or I guess as, by the time this comes this, out, as of this podcast, we're on, we're on our last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we enjoyed it. Yeah, catch us <laughs> next year. If you missed but it. if you didn't make it, you missed Blackberry Smoke, uh, and well, you missed uh, Charlie Star, Charlie Star, and Benji Shanks yeah. of Blackberry Smoke, and you missed Ian Dunlop in his magnificent glory, and Larry Murray. Uh, Larry, uh, unfortunately couldn't make it this year, but, uh, okay. yeah, but, uh, we are, are, are looking forward to having him back again next year. Well, yeah. you guys, uh, you know, I know Dave, you said it's hard to pick any one memory, um, 
But what about you guys? And if you have anything that does stand out you want to share, mm-hmm. but Sean and Connor, you've been around this a lot too. Does, do you have any favorite memories or moments or just, you know, one moment where you say, I'll never forget when that happened mm-hmm. or favorite acts that you saw? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> Uh, I think I said this while ago when we were on break, but mm. Dr. Ralph Stanley on stage and me sitting literally right in front of him on the grass and nobody's in front. I mean, it's just like, it's a, you know, there's plenty of people behind me, but I, there's nobody between me and him and he's singing Oh Death. Oh, man. And I was behind you. I was hauling ass on <laughs> the golf cart, oh, wow. trying to get up to the stage. To see I, Ralph like, this is, I can't believe this is going down yeah. in Waycross, mm-hmm. Georgia. Just him up there doing that acapella. Acapella, yeah. yeah. And uh, seeing Charlie Louvin there. Um, that was neat. Uh, Jim White, uh, Marty Stewart, just you know, sneaky Pete. Mm-hmm. Me introducing him wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell that. Uh, yeah. Steve B I had a band I didn't do at it on the purpose. time called Burrito Deluxe. Burrito Deluxe. And our, we you were, were on the band st- before him. Yeah, but we were on the side stage and I broke a string first song. So the whole set just was chaos and stress. And then I had to introduce him and I said, Dorito Deluxe instead of Dorito <laughs> Deluxe. It's the old uh, flip flopping of the consonants. Yeah. And everybody's just looking at me like you. <laughs> you know what? I guarantee you, uh, over half the crowd didn't even catch it. I, I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> That's one of those you wake up to. That, was the, that ended up, up being his last, <laughs> as far as I know, that ended up being his last performance before he passed. Uh, and I introduced him wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, he was so, uh, <laughs> Sneaky Pete was also suffering from uh, uh, some uh, dementia, dementia mm-hmm. issues like that. So uh, maybe he didn't hear it. He probably didn't even <laughs> hear it, you know. So that was that was very cool. I mean, that was just something that we can say on a podcast and laugh about, you know. What about you, Connor? You. You, uh, Connor has been, been up on the stage as a little <laughs> yeah. kid. Yeah, you've All right, 1998, the first year we had it in the backyard, you would have been five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you you were there. <laughs> I was a big Beatles fan back then, too. And they decided, okay, we're going to play the anthology CD, which had uh, basically a karaoke track. It, I mean, it was the backing track with uh, the instrumental track for isolated. Within You, Without You. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> got up there and sang in the British accent and everything like I knew what I was doing. And everybody was like, Who's what this is this? You know? Who is this kid? <laughs> but uh, something that I'll never forget is uh, watching Marty Stewart and his uh, fabulous superlatives play. On one of their uh, last songs, I think it was an acoustic number, the whole band, including the drummer, all kind of got to one part of the stage, all front and center, and uh, the drummer had his snare drum attached to his hip or something, and he had some brushes he was playing along with, Mm -hmm. and that blew me away. Um, well, the Revolutionary War kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then another uh, 
memory from that same night, I was standing next to a woman who shall remain nameless. But uh, in between songs, Marty Stewart was trying to say something, and she goes, It's my birthday! And I just went, <laughs> like, like Marty, please don't associate me with this person. And he goes, really? And she had this like bun, you know, going on. And he goes, well, happy birthday, not head. Like, not missing a beat. And I just, I was like, I, I think head. I clapped after that. I was like, yes, thank you. Birthday, not head. She, she was persistent. I remember that. Yeah. We've had some good times and, and uh, some uh, better times <laughs> out there. Uh, but we ain't never had any bad times. Uh, we've had some suspect times. Uh, there's been times I've had, I think we've had uh, a naked woman in the campground at one festival and a naked man in the uh, fairgrounds. At, this was well after hours when all of the children were gone. Thank but, God they weren't there at the same time. Oh, boy. Thank God. Yeah. And, I think I heard uh, the story of the second one. That's yeah. Some, did y'all yeah. have to pin him down or something? No, there was yeah, this they guy. Yeah, they did. They caught him and they. Uh, 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 last uh, no, well, they didn't last on him. They rodeoed him to the ground, and right. uh, I remember at the at the end of it all, when the police finally came and they were loading him up, we could hear him. We had police out there. Uh, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure we could hear the ambulance came. Yeah, sure. what he was saying, he he was speaking in spurts, like, and none of it made sense. He was saying like. Bacon circle triangle, like running backwards. <laughs> and then they were loading him up in the ambulance, and out of nowhere, we hear Willie Nelson, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, God, that's Get this be a guy shirt. out of here. <clears throat> Nobody <laughs> calls Willie an asshole. Yeah. yeah. That's when April Herndon broke bad. <laughs> yeah. That was who I heard the story from. <laughs> Well, uh, not folks. This is this is uh, like late late night, yeah. early early morning <laughs> yes. stuff, and uh, we don't have brown acid. We don't have, <laughs> ever have any. Uh, we don't ever have any. That's the no, the magic of these festivals is is that they come off in in twenty something years. That's with, all we got to talk about without <laughs> a. Yeah, uh, a kink. Yes, I mean, uh, there's been one cat fight in between the back of the stage and the bathrooms between two women, and that's been basically a spider bite. And maybe something got some somebody got something in their eye one time. That's been about the highlights. <laughs> of that there's special, been no, which no viral a, moments. As a concert comedian. promoter, you have to say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of my. Uh, Standout memories, and I've had a lot of them. God knows, uh, but is uh, I walked Leon Russell from his bus to the uh, behind the stage to the stage, and he was with a cane and everything. Uh, Leon didn't say too much because he pulled out his hearing. He was short of hearing, and uh, he he pulled out his hearing aids to uh, play on stage. And because so, he would put his uh, ear monitors in once right. he got up there. Right. And, in uh, between, he's just nothing. Yeah. So we didn't talk or anything, but I got to escort the master of space and time <laughs> for 15 feet. And uh, I can always have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
The other thing was one one of my uh, uh, the year we had Jay Farrar mm-hmm. from Sunvolt uh, Sunvolt, uh, and uh, uh, I'll never forget. I was backstage, and uh, I uh, generally try to introduce all the acts. You know, sometimes I fall down on that, but uh, I. Uh, Went from backstage to the stage and uh, got out there and noticed this unbelievable swell of people in the audience. I mean, from the front of the stage all the way back to the soundboard, and that's probably about thirty feet full of full of people. And that was one of my my nicest memories. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, when you do something like this, you, you don't do it for yourself. You don't do it for uh, fame and fortune or anything like that. Uh, you don't do it. <laughs> that sounds a little bit gaudy. But you don't do it for the economical reasons. You do it because your heart's in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's if anybody does, if anybody <laughs> Once I'm gone, and if this still wants to go on, if anybody does carries it on, I want you to think about that. Do it from here, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but that was a, a night that I recognized that. Wow, there's a lot of folks here that love music, you know, and they're there, and I can see them all, and that feels good. It, it, you can see mm-hmm. it's having an impact on mm-hmm. people. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, I've said this, uh, I've written this. There's power mm-hmm. in live music, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you get people together, and it's community. And, um, that actually kind of leads to my last question, and then I'll mm-hmm. um, we'll hear from Dave with a, mm-hmm. a tale of the week. But uh, you know, we talked about some some big name acts that have come here, and then there's some, you know, more local and regional, uh, all highly talented, a lot of great talent all around if you were talking to somebody um either locally or you know from out of town but just uh what would you say you know that they might if they don't know about swamp town get down or grand parsons guitar pool what would you say that you know to convince them they're missing out on something special well i i tell people all the time that uh if you're ever going to come to waycross those are the two times that i would suggest coming yeah and and people who end up coming during those times that have never been here, they're like, "We're moving here next week." And I'm yeah. like, "Well, you might want to." I mean, it's a great place, but uh, it's not as cool as those two weeks right there. And uh, it's just a good time. And uh, it's not like he said, like Paul Campbell said, it's not pretentious. It's not like you go to some festivals and it just seems real put on or whatever and it's it's not that at all it's all from the heart and uh, uh it's a good time i mean i, I don't I, i've never been to another festival like it right <laughs> like to echo one. what he's saying a lot of the other festivals i've been to almost seem scripted you know mm-hmm. like thank you for coming out here tonight to see <laughs> all of us mm-hmm. and it's almost like they're basking in their own glory you know mm-hmm. Uh, not not say that about all festivals, but here it's just thank you for coming. Here's mm-hmm. the next band. Hope you have a good time. And that's really all that it boils down to. Where 
trying to uh, put on a show that we hope everybody relates to and something they can take home with them, you know, and they always do. Mm-hmm. Dave, you want to have the last yeah, word? I guess uh, it kind of goes back to Paul Campbell. You know, <clears throat> he, uh, him and his wife, Laureen Flanders, they kind of put it so perfectly, you know, and that is the best little music festival that you've never been to. It mm-hmm. is very unpretentious. It's all from the heart. And uh, the backbone of these music festivals, especially the Grand Parsons Guitar Pool, are the supporting acts. All of those non-headliner acts that travel from across the United States, California, New York, Canada, Canada, uh, uh, all over the place uh, of their own volition. They... uh, they don't get paid. Uh, I give them a motel room, try to uh, comp a meal for them, and uh, that's been the procedure from the very beginning in uh, 2002. But they come because of Graham Parsons. This was Graham's hometown. They're big Graham fans. And they come to play on the stage in his hometown. And uh, I'm telling you, you're talking about from the heart. That's what this festival is all about, is them. And uh, Mm -hmm. I hope that that if you're hearing this for the first time, I hope you'll join us next year. (laughs) Or at Swamp Town Get Down as well. Because uh, we do have a good time. Very good. <laughs> well, with that, I'm going to do a little tale of the week for you right now, folks. And uh, this is a little, uh, some blogs that I wrote back in uh, oh, a few years back. And uh, I forgot my readers tonight, but uh, I'm going to do my best. And... Uh, this is a quote from uh, Uncle Dave to lead off this uh, this uh, tale. We were playing a New Year's Eve party at the Alma Exchange Club building when I saw the colorful Christmas lights left over in the far dark corner begin to tremble and shake. Out of the darkness and under the stage lights whirl a human tornado of fists and boots as two Bacon Countyans beat each other slap into 1975. We just kept watching and playing Peaceful Easy Feeling by the Eagles. (laughs) That was it. That was probably the night right there. There was a time when I was young and life was full of wondrous possibilities. Dreams were catchable, and music was always playing. Billy Ray Heron and I had been playing and writing songs together ever since he signed my 1971 senior yearbook. As he said, we have seen many songs set together, and we will see many more. 
That sounded more like a great Seminole Indian chief until he says, I wish you'd go to South George College next year with me so we could put our record collections together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, college never worked out for either of us. Music was far more important. So we set out together to find our muse. Waycross, Georgia was a hot spot, as I figure many towns across America were, after we became aware of the Beatles in 1964. Garage bands sprung up in every neighborhood, and local teen dances were a Friday night tradition in Waycross. We had a radio DJ at WACL by the name of Johnny B., who promoted local dances and bands. Along with him was a Waycross High teenager turned promoter by the name of Greg Haynes, who wrote a fine, big book about his exploits called The Hey Baby Days of Beach Music. I didn't pick up a guitar until I was a senior in high school thus missing out on all the fabulous, sweaty 60s teen dances at the Waycross City Auditorium, Rec Center, and National Guard Armory. Bands were everywhere, with names like the Faux Pas, Backstreet Society, The Changing Times, The Riots, Our Gang, and The Wandering Souls. By 1974, Billy Ray was married to Becky Campbell, a beautiful girl whose father was a rambling musician and a painter with a gypsy spirit. Jim Campbell could play a guitar and had a lot of stories to tell, having played with Conway Twitty and others. One afternoon that year, we sat in Billy Ray's trailer dreaming about the band we were going to put together. Jim Campbell's gold-top Les Paul was laying on the bed. I picked it up and played a little lick from Ramblin' Man, at which Billy Ray espoused, You'll be our lead guitar player. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm about as much of a lead guitar player as Bruce Jenner is a woman. But these were the days when dreams were real and nothing seemed impossible. We chose the name Sweetbriar after a rose that grows wild in the Okefenokee Swamp, a vast, muggy wilderness that looms large in our little town of Waycross. Billy Ray's mama, May Heron, loaned us the money to outfit ourselves, so we drove straight to Paulus Music in downtown Jacksonville, Florida, returning with a custom PA system two casino guitar amps that you could set up a house in, they were so big, and a Fender Stratocaster for each of us. After we added a couple pipe fitters from Plant Hatch in Baxley, Danny Altman, a classmate of ours from Ware County High School on drums, and Harry Tank Tankersley on bass guitar. Sweetbriar was complete. There we are. That's Danny Altman on the left, Tank, (laughs) myself, and Billy Ray. There was a little block building behind Billy Ray's trailer that we used for rehearsals. The neighbors were more than supportive until we pushed the envelope a little too far late one night 
when James Thornton showed up in his boxer shorts with his pillow hair, wielding a flashlight that he would have used on any of us if we didn't pull the plug. By October of 74, the band had grown with the addition of Joe Shear, a lead, a true lead guitarist with spectacular vocals, and 16-year-old Ricky Alderman, a self-taught piano player that we begged not to sing. There we are. Uh, that's uh, top left to right, Billy Ray, Danny, and me, and Joe on the bottom, and Ricky and Tank. <laughs> Ricky's father managed a local business and had found an old upright piano in a warehouse he had purchased. He brought it home, tuned it, and Ricky turned it into an after-school obsession, channeling Chuck Lavelle and Keith Emerson until he was quite proficient and worthy of the Waycross music scene. We had business cards printed used the services of a regional booking agent, and began harvesting the fruits of our labor. Many of our early and only bookings were staged in Alma, Georgia, a town known for its delicious blueberries and dubious sheriffs. From high school homecoming dances to small-town civic parties, we began to, hold, to build a small following. Eventually, we found ourselves looking for a new drummer and bass player. Monty Carden, son of a Blackshear dentist and local high school algebra teacher, Tom Amendola, were pulled into the fold. Drummer Monty Carden was a seasoned veteran, formerly of the Henchman Waycross Garage Band, managed by Judy Seymour, a young Waycross teen and future wife of Leonard Skinner's lead singer, Ronnie Van Zant. Tom Amendola had never played a lick of bass guitar in his life. He was accomplished on a six-string acoustic, though, so we taught him. He memorized the bass part to every song in our repertoire and did a damn fine job. Bands are much like marriages, but instead of being wed to one person, you're wed to three or more. And as in marriages... Sometimes you look at somebody wrong or you kick your snare drum across the room and eventually part ways. But from 1974 to 1975, Sweetbriar was the first country rock group out of Waycross. Cool. <laughs> Have mercy. <laughs> we had some times and we've had a time tonight folks we appreciate y'all tuning in we appreciate you Alan for Thank being our guest tonight and mm -hmm. uh, uh, we appreciate you putting us on the spot <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thanks for answering my questions yeah and uh, folks you can read this article in the latest edition of Okefenokee Living Magazine free at most uh, business outlets in and around Waycross and uh, Ware County and Pierce County. And and uh, we do hope you'll continue watching Something in the Water podcast. 
We appreciate that. And we urge you to step on over to patreon.com where you'll find our Something in the Water Deep In podcast. That's right. You have to pay $5 a month, but it's well worth it. Because as my son Connor says, it's well worth it. <laughs> oh, it's well worth it. <laughs> Thank y'all. We'll see you next time. Just mad.